This podcast is designed to inspire and propel you to a newfound level of empowerment and clarity. Through cultivating the art of thinking, you'll learn how to detangle your thought knots and train your brain to break through obstacles. You'll learn to focus on what matters most and make effective choices to become a remarkable you. Hello everyone, my name is Pamela Pitcher and welcome to my podcast. As a master of neurolinguistic programming, a motivational coach, and a hypnotherapist, I'll be sharing tips, tools, and techniques to help you awaken to the best you. I promised a listener a podcast about perfectionism. Perfection, from my point of view, is an unachievable concept designed to make us feel bad about ourselves. Are you a perfectionist? If so, chances are you're making your life harder than it needs to be. Perfectionism is not the same as focusing to be your best. It's not healthy because we push ourselves beyond sensible limits, resulting in anxiety. According to Wikipedia, perfectionism in psychology is a personality trait characterized by a person striving for flawlessness and setting high performance standards, accompanied by a critical self-evaluation. Whew. Would you say a person putting that much demand on oneself is perfect? How can beating yourself up be perfect? People with self-critical perfectionist tendencies are intimidated by their own high standards and may feel they can't reach their own goals. And that's when negative self-talk creeps in and we hear the voice in our head saying things like, I'm not good enough, which is unfortunately a common limiting belief. When I worked in the finance industry, my manager, mentor would say to me during my staff reviews, Pam, it would be a good idea to stop measuring yourself against perfection. Being a Buddhist, he would never explain why or provide me with insight as how to stop. Rather, his way was to give me the space to find my way. After hearing his comments a few times, I stopped to think about it. He was nudging me to look at my need to be perfect. And deep down, I knew my perfectionism stemmed from my dysfunctional upbringing. Today, I am a recovering perfectionist, and I'm also an adult child of an alcoholic. Characteristics of adult children of alcoholics include judging themselves without mercy, constantly seeking approval and affirmation, usually feel feeling different from other people and have difficulty having fun. The problem with growing up in an alcoholic home is that you never knew what you would find or what was going to happen when you got home. No matter how many times things went pear-shaped at home, somehow, as soon as I walked in the door, I was never quite prepared. One day after school, high school, when I walked in the door, I found a large pot of spaghetti sauce had been thrown at the television. The TV screen was broken, the pot was stuck inside, and red tomato sauce was oozing from the TV. The sauce was all over the floor and the walls behind the TV, from my mother's boyfriend flinging the pot across the room in one of their many drunken fights. They were both alcoholics. My brother was at home sitting in my mom's favorite chair, staring at the wall, 
of sauce. And we looked at each other with a knowing, knowing that there was nothing we could do about this mess other than clean it up. So we did, and then we drank tea. The insane became the norm. According to Megan Le Boutelier, the author of a book called Little Miss Perfect, adults who grew up in alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional homes often adopt behaviors to deal with chaos and neglect around them. Behaviors that no longer work for them as adults. Repressing spontaneity, over-controlling, reacting impulsively from fear, and rejecting our own playfulness are just some of the coping mechanisms that become obsolete and destructive when carried out in life, in adult life. I adopted being perfect. I lived on the hope because I didn't want to believe what was happening. I learned to take care of the house, to clean and scrub, and put things back in order while my mom and her boyfriend were passed out. I decorated my bedroom beautifully and it was really well organized. I excelled at school. I was a social butterfly. School was my repose. I didn't dare let people know what was happening at my house, save for my best friends and their parents who supported me through sleepovers and weekends away from my horror show. And that is exactly the term my brother called our house, the horror show. Little Miss Perfect was born to take control for fear I'd be sucked down the vortex of dysfunction that was my home. And she did it when she needed to cope with the horror show. If somebody found out about my home life, I was absolutely mortified. I was ashamed to the core. I cried myself asleep at night, pretty much every night. I had fantasies about leaving home and I actually did leave home at 15 because I couldn't stand it anymore but that turned into a different type of nightmare. So I went back home for a while. They'd quit drinking, but then they start up again and quit and start up again. At age 17, it was so bad that one of my brothers insisted I live with him. He said I couldn't live in that house anymore. It was just too far gone and they were too far gone and he was right. I longed for a calm, perfect world and so I internalized that longing into an aspiration to become someone of substance. I would be disappointed time and time again because as you may know, there will always be people who do not appreciate who you are. Consider the concept of beauty and how conditional it is. There is no one way to be beautiful. Everything in this world has beauty in some way or another, but not everyone recognizes it because we all think differently. You may get tired of me saying that, but the sooner you realize that everyone in this world thinks differently, the greater freedom from judgment you will experience. So poking my nose around the internet, looking up beauty, I found that Japanese women believe their skin is the key true to beauty. In several countries, men struggle with the pressure to be muscular with a V-shaped body. On the border of Burma and Thailand, members of the Kayan tribe begin their beauty rituals at the age of five when girls start wearing brass rings around their necks. In Mexico, machismo is an important aspect of an attractive male. 
Indigenous people who are of Polynesian descent believe a woman with full, tattooed blue lips are considered the most beautiful and desirable. In Turkey, hair removal from men's bodies is the desirable thing. There is no right or wrong in this. It depends upon the spot in the world where you are. And as they say, beauty is indeed in the eye of the beholder. All of this to say is that cultural norms exacerbated by media and peer pressure put pressure on us to be perfect. And according to Brene Brown from her article written for CNN.com, she says, we get sucked into perfection for one very simple reason. We believe perfection will protect us. Perfectionism is the belief that if we live perfect, look perfect, and act perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, judgment, and shame. And that was true for me. Consider this. In what kind of environment did you grow up that led you down the path of perfectionism? Perhaps you were bullied or made fun of, told you weren't good enough, that something was wrong with you. We humans have four fundamental emotional needs. Attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance. Attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance. Everybody wants to be understood. When we're bullied, none of these are met, albeit attention, but in a very, very negative way. And that's why it's so detrimental. And people do what they do for two reasons, to gain pleasure or avoid pain. Perfectionism is a way to avoid the pain of thinking I'm not worthy, although it's often an unconscious driving force behind our behavior. Or perfectionism is a way to gain pleasure through recognition and praise. So we see how we can easily be sucked into being perfect. However, it's a trap because I may be perfect for you, but not you and not you. When I was a little girl, I used to go to my neighbors, the Browns, the Brown family. I went there a lot after school because mom was a single working mother and I didn't enjoy being home when she wasn't there because my brothers would tease me incessantly. Belinda Brown was a year older than me. I loved hanging out with her because I thought she was beautiful. She looked like Samantha from Bewitched, which was my favorite television show at the time. Belinda was learning to play the electric guitar, so I would sit and listen to her play for hours on end as she practiced. One day I started singing along when she all of a sudden announced, Pam, you have a wonderful singing voice. Nobody had told me that before. This was news to me. She had me sing for her mom, who agreed. At school, there was an upcoming pageant, and they encouraged me to sing a song. I chose the song Scarborough Fair by Simon and Garfunkel and practiced it every day at their house. I didn't tell my mom because I wanted to surprise her. The day of the pageant, I told my mom I was going to sing that night. On stage, I sang my best. As I looked down in the audience, I could see the Brown family with smiles of encouragement on their faces. Mum wasn't smiling. On the way home in the car, I asked Mum what she thought. And she said I was okay, but that I shouldn't pursue singing as a career because I just wasn't that good. 
I process that comment as, I have to be better. And I'm sure the little girl of seven thought she had to be better to get mum's love. You see, we develop patterns of thinking very quickly, especially when we are young and impressionable without any conscious awareness. Little Miss Perfect didn't serve me well later in life. When I tried to attain perfection, I beat myself up all the time. I'd push and I'd push and I'd push. And what it led to was a burnout. I spent too many weekends working when I could have been playing. And when I eventually did leave the finance industry, I was burned out, disillusioned and exhausted. I had to give up being perfect to find peace. Now that doesn't mean I don't aim for excellence. That is a different thing altogether. You can still aim for high standards of quality, but leave room for mistakes. What you give up is the punishing, striving and trying to be perfect. If you're forcing things to happen, you are pushing and you're definitely not in the state of flow. It's in the state of flow where we feel our power, like a runner in the zone, a writer whose words spring onto the page, like an artist with their brush or clay or a child playing with a big smile on their face. What we are doing just feels right. And if it's right for you, it's gotta be right for you. Today, I practice the ancient Vedic spiritual law of detachment, which is, I commit to detachment. I accept uncertainty. I step into the field of all possibilities. And sure, I must remind myself sometimes that things don't have to be perfect. And that's okay, because I'm not perfect. So thank you for joining me today, and I hope you tune in next week when I discuss our inner guidance system, the key to achieving a state of flow. Please remember to subscribe and share across social media. I'd really appreciate that. And I'd also love to see your thoughts. So please send your feedback my way so I know how to help you the most. Thank you again. Ciao for now.